so I have now a lot a lot of the memes, the Broadway memes that you post on our Instagram. You've gone back to their original. I've gone like, back and like followed the account. Because they're so good. I, it makes me feel like a teenager. Does it make you feel so young the way so they young. speak and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just feel like, wow, th- this is all run by teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> Which I like. And it's all just like just they do little like quizzes about characters and stuff like I that. Know, it's like, very which, cute. which musical theatre character are you? Yeah. Like, oh God. Like tick the things that you've done, like bingo card things. So and, cute. Yeah, very cute. Theatre nerds are cute. Indeed. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Josephine. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm quite well. I'm in my incredibly bougie Ugg boots. Oh, that's so sexy. Yeah, that my husband got me for my birthday that (sighs) are the most expensive Ugg boots you've ever seen, but they're very good for my feet. Well, yeah, they're proper orthotic Ugg boots. Yeah, which is like the most nanorish thing anyone's ever said. What I love right now is that both of us have like orthotic shoes on. Yes. (laughs) I wonder if those listeners who don't know who we are, if you've just got a really clear picture of us in your minds now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. I mean, mine are quite... Mine aren't Ugg boots. Mine are quite sexy, I think. Yeah, yours are sexy great. Yours are like heeled, heeled, sexy boots. But they support my arches. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I think, what uh, – that's a new priority in my 30s. 100%. And I fully converted you, didn't I? You did. There's like a couple of brands in, in particular that Josephine and I love. And yeah. I was like, Josephine, you don't understand. No, and this I This is going to change your life. It's literally now like I don't think I have – any shoes no I don't I've gotten rid of all the rest except for like my joggers like my runners that's it I'm the same yeah oh foot support is so important people anyway welcome to my favorite musical the podcast about musicals thank you Ruth welcome to my favorite musical that's right this is a musical theater podcast (laughs) where we talk about feet yep oh feet and not like dancing feet either no just feet yeah uh that's Ruth Tiffin Oh, that's Josephine Emmett. I don't think we normally say our full names. Oh, no, we don't, do I we? I like it. Should, I, should we bleep it's it out? It's very formal. It's very formal. No, I don't care. <laughs> uh, how, um, I've already asked how are you. How's yeah. your week? Yeah, not too bad. It's um, Are they all bleeding into each other at the moment? Yeah, they kind of are. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just still no theatre as far as the eye can see. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yep. But uh, hopefully soon. It looks like Australia will probably start before any other countries. Yeah, well, we, I mean, apart from Victoria at the moment, we're pretty yeah, clean we're in and a good clear. Place. We're in a good place. Yeah. Um, let's just hope the outbreaks in, in Victoria can be curbed and, um, yeah. We can get back to it. Yeah, but, man, our friends elsewhere are not doing so well. Yeah, mm. yeah they're really not. No, so anyway. But. Look, you've all heard it. You know the story. Yeah, you know what's happening. Mm. Do you have any apologies today, Ruth? I don't. Do you? No. But you know what I did think? Don't we now have an email address? We do. So if you have, like, if you're out there and you hear something that you want us to correct, you can now send us an email. We have an email address. It is my favourite musical, favourite spelt the Australian way. So F-A-V-O-U-R-I-T-E, musical at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter account. (laughs) Yes. I don't know how to use Twitter. Okay. I'll I'll handle the Twitter. It's okay. I can't deal with it. It's too much. Um, Now, unfortunately, Twitter has a character limit on the name. So we're my fave musical. Um, my fave F-A-V-E musical. It's quite a compromise, isn't is it? It is, isn't it? But I couldn't put it all in. What else? My favourite M was my option. <laughs> <laughs> my favourite Moo. Um, yeah, so send us, please. You can now, you can contact us on Instagram. You can email us. You can at, is it at us on Twitter? Is that sure. what you do? 
Tweet us. Oh, shit. I don't know. DM us. Fucking hell. You can do that on Instagram. Yeah, slide into our DMs. Is that yeah. a Yeah. I'm so down. You're so hip. Yeah. Hip to the kids. <laughs> uh, funny. Yeah. That's about uh, it. Okay. So, yeah, tell so, us. Tell us if we get things wrong. Definitely. I did have uh, – But not, a, if, not if you have a differing opinion. We no. don't care about that. Although some, a friend of ours um, texted me the other day and was like, did you just describe Jean Valjean as an escaped criminal? <laughs> and I was like – Well – I was like, okay. So, like, he had he his so, papers. he did break parole. Yes, he breaks parole. And also, like, I was just thinking of him kind of escaping his former life yeah. after committing a crime. Yeah. I don't know. I actually didn't – I didn't think that was incorrect. It's not technically correct. Yeah, it's, but it's not like – That's right. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, but if, you, if you're if you there. No like, apologies to our friend Gareth. If you're out there loving the Les Mis movie, we don't want to hear that. <laughs> like your husband. My husband. No. He's going to get angry when he listens to this. Shane, I love you so much, but you're <laughs> wrong about that. <laughs> All right. Oh, dear. Do you have a spotlight today? I do. Um, mine this week, I spoke about um, another sort of uh, collective last week uh, of Broadway theatre makers nice. of colour yeah, that yeah. Um, have started – a movement, and this is another one that sort of came out around the same time, and it's called uh, like We See You WAT is like their website, nice. um, and that stands for We See You White American Theatre, and it was basically a collection of over three hundred Black, Indigenous, and people of colour theatre makers uh, in America who came together to write a statement. We'll link to that. It's quite a long statement. We'll link to it um, in the show notes, and uh, yeah, they basically like released this statement. Um, I think it was early June that they released it and, uh, yeah, just basically calling out a bunch of the hypocrisy that mm, goes on yeah. in the in the white American theatre, as yeah. they say. Uh, they also released a petition at the same time that has uh, well over 60,000 signatures on it now. Wow, that's awesome. Um, and I just wanted to read a couple of excerpts from the statement. Um, so these are some of the things that I found particularly poignant. Uh, we have watched you amplify our voices when we are heralded by, heralded by the press that, that but refuse to defend our aesthetic when we are not, allowing our livelihoods to be destroyed by a monolithic and racist critical culture. We see you. We have watched you use our BIPOC faces on your brochures, asking us to politely shuffle at your galas, talkbacks, panels, board meetings and donor dinners in rooms full of white faces be, without being willing to defend the sanctity of our bodies beyond the stages you make us jump through hoops to be considered for. We see you. We have watched you exploit us, shame us, diminish us and exclude us. We see you. We have always seen you and now you will see us. We stand on this ground as BIPOC theatre makers, multi-generational at varied stages in our careers, but fiercely in love with the theatre. Too much to continue it under, under abuse. We will wrap the least privileged among us in protection and fearlessly share our many truths about theatres, executive leaders, critics, casting directors, agents, unions, commercial producers, universities and training programs. You are all a part of this house of cards built on white fragility and supremacy and this is a house that will not stand. This ends today. We are about to introduce you to yourself. Wow. Yeah. It's, oh. And the whole statement's really, like, quite amazing. That's incredible. That yeah. really landed yeah. in my gut. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, check them out and what they sort of continue to do. And, 
yeah, they're just basically like, we're going to call it out yeah. now. Like, and yeah. it's signed. You can see every, like the 300, you know, original artists who signed it. And there's obviously like a lot of people you will have heard of yeah. on that, on that list as well. Incredible. Yeah. I think I mentioned a while ago that I was reading White Fragility. Yeah. And I, I don't think I've brought it up since, but it's, it's one of the most challenging books I've ever read because, mm. and it really, it's, it's aimed at me. Like it, it literally says at the beginning, this book is written for white progressives who think they're progressive. Yeah. Like, and, and it's really like you're, you are so much more problematic than you could ever. Yeah. And it's so true. Like, yeah, every single idea it brought up is so true and so correct and so challenging for me. So I'm really been spending a lot of time thinking about interestingly yeah. i've actually seen quite a few people be like don't buy that book because it's it's actually written, it's written by, by a, white, a, white, a white woman yeah right. and they're basically like yeah i just think it's 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 like there's so many things to unpack where it's like yeah there's some really important things that yes. we need to read in there and and maybe i guess the point well, is like well, buy she, that but also buy something written totally. by a person of color you know but she's so upfront about that and i'm i'm honestly not just saying that i'm only reading a white voice about this yeah um but it's very interesting. Like I think it's a really good entry point for yes. white people to perhaps be approached by a person saying, I'm white and I'm this is my experience and this is where you are part of the problem. People have to start somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. um anyway, it's it's really challenged me. Yeah. It's made me think a lot. And yeah, I'm like I've bought a whole heap on Kindle, like of books by people of colour who have been that's been recommended to me. Yeah. I've got a list at home actually. I'll bring it in next week. Yeah, that'd we can, be great. Yeah. Okay, so my spotlight today yes. is um a writer who name's Sakari Jones. She, I'd never heard of her. This is the whole point of Spotlight. She's an award-winning musical theatre lyricist, playwright and screenwriter also. Okay. Whose work is very much centred on like the intersection of race and power in the United States. So she's very focused on the black experience in America. She she often is exploring um, these ideas of race and uh, racial identity through like sci-fi oh, sort of things, which is really cool, and sometimes satire as well. So she has a really interesting lens that that her pieces look through, which I find mm. really cool and maybe quite accessible too. Um, she's passionate about creating challenging principal roles with her pieces, and she's very much focused on women of color. So. Oh, like I've I've read a whole lot of information about her today, and I'm really um, really galvanized by her sort of ideology. Anyway, so she's written like a bunch of shows, but her shows include The River Is Me. That's one of them, which is actually a really beautiful soundtrack that I found on SoundCloud. Okay, or on her website. Like she's got a link to it on her website, and yeah. you can listen to it for free. It's really beautiful, and I love the plot. It's actually um, so it's it's inspired by the murder of Emmett Till. Oh yes, yeah, um, which is a really yeah, anyway, read if you don't that. know about Emmett Till, definitely look up. Definitely what look happened. up. Yeah, it's what happened really... to that poor boy? Um, probably like a, I don't know, hundred years ago. Yeah, now. yeah, like probably almost exactly. Yeah, so it's sort of based around that that whole. It's inspired by that, but it's about a young boy who wants to become a water powered superhero to save his mother from all the grown up violence that she's experiencing. Mm. It's so beautiful. It and like I spent all day listening to the the playlist today and it was just so gorgeous yeah we'll just, link to that as well yeah yeah so um sakari jones other work includes location 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 ain't far from home little bird love plus edge of the ocean so many more like she's written a, she has a ton of work behind yeah, her right. she's her shows have, have been staged at the lincoln center at 54 below at joe's pub a couple of other sort of big new york venues yeah um she's never been on broadway or off broadway um but yeah 
a super important voice in musical theatre and because I, I got a lot of my information from the website that I've already mentioned, HowlRound, yeah. and a lot of the essay that I read was about how these these writers and there were a couple that that were listed are just – they're not getting the go that they deserve. No. And, and, and similar works by white people yep. would have already had a Broadway run yep. by now. So, uh, And it's so true. Like even just listening to this one cast recording, I think, wow, this is beautiful. This is moving. It's beautifully written why 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 yeah so yeah she's definitely not getting the attention she deserves and you should check her out so that's sakari jones and yeah i recommend the river is me okay excellent Mm. yeah we'll definitely link to that yeah cool so uh what's our theater explained today okay well this was my idea yeah i liked it yeah so um (laughs) i mean a lot of our australian listeners will you know recognize this Mm. this term but like maybe some of our international listeners won't necessarily but in australia Um, instead of saying like break a leg, we say chookers. 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 That's the word we say. Yeah. And I think a lot of people say it in the theatre without ever like considering what the origins of it or anything like that are. Yeah. And I've always loved that it's like, I don't feel like there are many things that are very particularly Australian that are theatre traditions. This is a proper Australian theatre tradition. Yeah. Like this is like a legit, this is only in Australia do you hear this term. And um, And it's also like it's permeated its way into, you know, small amateur theatre companies. Yes, that's right. It's a a very popular saying. Yeah. Like I know I say it all the time. I say it like like out of theatre context as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like chookers for whatever. Yeah, chookers. So essentially the, the history behind it is that, and like, there's a couple of variations on this story. It's the but, same thing, though. But it isn't all it? comes from the idea that back in the day, back like a hundred years We're ago, we're talking like vaudeville almost. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's vaudeville yeah. days, and into like the J.C. Williams. J.C. Williamson's were like the first touring professional musical theatre in Australia. They brought yes. My Fair Lady from the UK, yeah. and and they and did a lot of their sort of stock stuff. Yeah, yeah. and they would, and they, it was. An interesting thing because it was like they owned all the theatres around Australia Mm. and they owned everything basically. So it was like they owned the actors basically. They owned all the theatres and it was just this. That's turned into something else now, isn't it? Like they have a different because there is some sort of like they're not together. Daisy Williams doesn't exist anymore but there's some sort of like iteration of that that's like made it through because I teach this in year 11 Oh, really? I'm going to come back to you on that Yeah, let us know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like they brought my, my Fair Lady was like the first, and they used to often bring like entire companies out from yeah. the UK or whatever. Yeah. Um, but back in that in those days, um, chicken was a really expensive meal because yeah. it had to, it was like before refrigeration, so it had to be caught fresh and and caught made on the fresh. day and all yeah, that yeah. sort of thing and cooked properly. Yeah, exactly. And so. Um, it was also back in those days the actor's salary was tied to how many people were in the audience. So, mm. like, if the box office was good, um, you got paid more basically. Yeah. And so it, the exact, like, the way that they would say it is, like, there's a few stories, but it was essentially a term to say good luck because if it was a good audience, then you would be able to afford Have to eat chicken, chicken that yeah. night. And um, Rather uh, than, like, bread. Yeah. And, and so – some people say it's like, good luck, we hope there's enough people in the audience that we can afford to eat chicken. Or it was like the stage manager, whoever. Had checked had how many checked people there were. And was like, chookers, because there's enough people in the audience to eat chicken, yes. basically. Those are the two differing yeah. um, opinions. But, yeah, that's um, it's that's, cool. that's chookers. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah. It's a cool story. Yeah. I like that. I mean, obviously it's bad luck to say good luck, so we found our own, like, yeah. version of what exactly. to say. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, chookers everyone for yeah, your chookers, week. Yeah, chookers to us. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations this week, Ruth? I do. I have a couple. Oh, good. Uh, I have another podcast. Okay. And I've mentioned this podcast to you, like, off air before, um, Josephine, but – there aren't that many like 
musical theatre discussion podcast that I really like. It was half the reason we started one My favourite's my favourite musical. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but of the ones uh, that I do listen to, um, I think this is a really strong one. Um, and I actually recommended an episode of it to you this week. But it's called Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour. It's cute. And it's, it's a cute name. Yeah. And it's a guy in America and a guy in like um, in I think Glasgow, Glasgow in Scotland. Jeez. And yeah, they record it like in their over those two separate locations. And yeah, it's like they pick a musical and, and each episode is just on that musical and they dissect it similarly to how we do, I guess. Like yeah. it's sort of a similar format, except that they're both talking about the same musical. Like they've both researched it oh, okay, and discussed yeah. it. Just they're very knowledgeable guys, um, clearly very experienced in their own fields. And yeah, it's really great. So if do you, you want to like, say that name again? Yeah, Jim and Tomics. Musical Theatre Happy Hour. And I'll link to it in the notes as well. That's cool. Yeah. So that's a podcast recommendation. And I have a book recommendation as well. Geez, you're reading a lot lately, aren't you? Yeah, I actually haven't read this book, but I have seen it several times. Well, how can you recommend it, Ruth? Um, I've read quite a bit about how it's a good book. <laughs> um, and also because right, like when I looked, it was only $12 on Kindle, so I'm going to buy it. Yeah, man. Um, it's called Something Wonderful, Rogers and Hammerstein's Broadway Revolution. Yeah. It's by Todd Purdom. And basically it explores their relationship and the shows they wrote together. I just couldn't believe how cheap it was on Kindle. So it's I'm actually, buy it. and I will say, and I know I've spoken about Rogers and Hammerstein twice now, but the story is beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's a lovely I, and friendship. I love it's a lovely from yeah. the golden age. Like, Me too. Yeah. It's like watching That's Entertainment over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's beautiful. What it about is. you? Well, my recommendation is, oh, I can't even say the word, is a follow-on from last week. I recommended Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist because yes. I'd watched just one episode. It's been a week and I've finished the whole first season and <laughs> my husband is obsessed with it. Amazing. Like we just love it so much. So I had some reservations in the pilot and they've all been addressed and fixed. It's incredible. Like it's Ruth, okay. how have you not watched it? I know, I'm sorry. So particularly like Alex Newell and Skylar Aston. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love so Skylar good. Aston. I love like Alex I Newell. Shane is now obsessed with Alex Newell and incredible. he brings him up all the time. You should tell him that I saw him on Broadway in Once on This Island. I will tell him that. Well, <laughs> you just told him that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Excellent. that's it. The end. Yeah. The end. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm first. I can tell Are you. Are you actually? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. That's fine. No, but I didn't I'll tell you what. It. Not only it's episode 13. Yes. As of last week, I've now written the number. Oh, good <laughs> the girl. Top of my sheet. Is it episode 13? Yep. Sheet. I know, lucky 13. Mm. And I've also written Ruth first. <laughs> You're such a loser. <laughs> I'm very type A, everyone, in case you mm. hadn't realised, by my knew. many spreadsheets. <laughs> uh, so first. what have you got for us? I am doing my first Golden Age show. I, you know... None yeah, of the shows the I've done, ager. mine are all modern ones, right? Yeah. When I say modern, like I did JC, but like. Yeah, it's not the know, golden age. And, and Sweeney stuff, but yeah, this is my first like. Anyway, I am doing. Is it Carousel? <laughs> yes, because I love Carousel, Josephine. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sometimes you say crazy Surprise shit. Surprise you, yeah. <laughs> it is Gypsy. Ooh. Gypsy, a musical fable. Did you know that was the full title? I actually did. Oh. A musical fable. I love it when there's like a, a random like subtitle. Yeah. Anyway, I've never heard it called that. Gypsy. Gypsy, a musical fable. So. I love this Gypsy. Is, this is definitely my favourite Golden Age musical. Oh, interesting. Yep. Okay, sure. And I also think, no, it's not that controversial. I think a lot of people have this opinion. I think it's the best book musical ever written. Okay. Yeah. 
the best music. Okay, let yeah. me think about it. So, this. like, you know, when I said that Lame Is isn't my favorite, but I think it's probably the greatest musical ever written. Yes, that's sung through. So that's a sung through. I yes. think this is the best book musical ever written. Oh, okay. Mm. It has my favorite overture ever of any show. <laughs> you just got really loud and intense in that yep. moment. Yeah, <laughs> I love that's it. That's me, loud and intense. <laughs> it has my favorite overture ever. Okay, of yeah. all the overtures. And also it um, – I love the strong female characters in it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Actually, they're lots badass of, Lots bitches. of great women. Yeah, badass yeah. Badass women. Um, when I moved to London in 2015, I managed to last about four days getting over jet lag before I saw a show. <laughs> and um, Was this the first one you saw? I treated myself when I bought like an excellent ticket to see Imelda Staunton and Gypsy. Fuck. And it was worth every fucking penny. Can I say how much I love passionately Imelda Staunton? Like you can because that is the correct answer. Oh, God. And her in Follies? Oh, my God. Oh, anyway. my God. I know. Oh. Incredible. Oh, oh, oh. So um, let's get into it. So music by Julie Stein, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. Oh, what was that? Stephen Sondheim. It's also our first lyrics only by Stephen Sondheim yes, show that we've correct. covered. Yeah. That's I mean, true. there's only a handful, but yeah. Yeah. Um. A young Stephen Sondheim. Excuse um, me. Yes. Oh, I guess he was – it would have been in his 30s. Yeah, he was youngish. Yeah. Younger than the others. Yes. Um, book by Arthur Lawrence and originally directed by Jerome Robbins. So it's like quite a team. Yeah, like proper golden age people. And also like some real fuckwits. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> some like real that, grumpy men. That whole team really, apart from Sondheim. Yeah, I don't know. Does Julie Stein have a reputation? But oh. certainly Jerome Robbins and Arthur Lawrence do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, it's loosely based on the 1957 autobiography of Gypsy Rose Lee, or her real name was Rose Louise Hovick, um, entitled Gypsy, a Memoir. So not Gypsy, an American fable? <laughs> no, not a Gypsy, a musical fable. <laughs> a an musical American, fable. Are you thinking of like Five or Goes West or something? Isn't Must that like be. an American tale? Um, <laughs> so we're in the 1920s. That's where it's set. And it's about Rose, who is the ultimate stage mother, right? Ultimate. Um, her daughters, June and Louise. Uh, so it's about her daughters, June and Louise, and her and her attempts to make June famous on the vaudeville circuit. Um, they're actually kind of quite successful for a period, and but then like vaudeville is dying and burlesque is really taking over. Uh, June escapes, <laughs> runs off, elopes with another dancer in the show, and uh, Rose instead turns to try to make her other daughter, Louise, who's more of a wallflower, into a star instead. Um, by chance, essentially by chance, she ends up performing in burlesque, Louise does, and becoming a huge burlesque star and completely outgrowing and outshadowing Rose. Yeah. And that's essentially the story. But, like, a huge burlesque star. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Massive. Um, so some production history. So the original um, Broadway production opens on May 21st, 1959 at the Broadway Theatre. Fun fact, I don't know if we've covered this before, but mm. the Broadway Theatre is the only Broadway theatre on Broadway. Yes, we have covered that yeah, before. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of people assume that all the theatres are actually on the street called Broadway. Yeah. This is the only one. They're not, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so the Broadway Theatre. It's a big theatre. Yeah. Um, it closed March 25th, 1961. So two years at that stage is a pretty reasonable run. Um, it had eight Tony nominations. It doesn't win a single Tony. I know. It didn't Sound of Music win yeah, that Yeah, so that's year? the year that With, Sound um, of Music and Fiorello, Fiorello tied. Yes, you'll remember that from your Sound of Music episode. Yes. Um, Ethel Merman also doesn't win. Disgusting. Well, Mary Martin beats her for The Sound of Music. I don't think that's fair. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I love Ethel, Ethel Merman. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, so Sound of Music and Fiorello tied that year. And you know, 
uh, maybe we talked about it at the time, but Fiorello also won the Pulitzer that year. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's one of because it's one of only like ten musicals to win the Pulitzer. Oh shit! Like, and what? Is and we it? still don't know. I, don't I know, know it. it's crazy. Mm. Um, there's then the film in 1962 starring Rosalind Russell. Have you seen the film? Yeah. I've never seen the film. You haven't? No, With Natalie not, Wood? Not that film, no. And Ethel Merman? <laughs> I know, this is terrible. Someday we have to have like a – no, Ethel Merman's not in the film. Isn't she? No, it's Rosalind Russell and Natalie Wood. Oh. Yeah. I've never seen it. Well, Natalie Wood is very good as Louise. Is she? Oh, she's great. I mean, she looks the part She can't sing, but she's dubbed. Yeah. Like she's in West Side. Yeah. She looks like Louise she looks, in my head. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen it. That's weird. Well, it's not weird because I haven't seen any of those old yeah, films. Know, I'm sorry. I know. But you love Gypsy. Mm. I do love Gypsy. We'll get to the version that I grew up watching. Um, <laughs> there's then the 1973 original West End and 1974 Broadway revival with Angela Lansbury as, as Rose, Rose in both of those productions. Yeah. She wins the Tony as Best Actress. Interesting. Um, the 1989 Broadway revival wins Best Revival and Tyne Daly wins Best Actress. She plays Rose. Um, I just a bit of a side FYI. Mm. The best revival as a category only exists from 1977 at the Tonys. I feel like what did we talk about? We talked about this because something missed out because of something. Oh, did it? Yeah, we were talking about this. Okay. I can't anyway. remember. And from 1977 to 1994, it's called just Best Revival. Like not – it's so both basically musicals and plays yeah, are so eligible for the Yeah, so Best Revival same. of a Musical. No. Yeah. So from 1994, yeah, it, it becomes now. Best Revival of a Musical. Yeah. But so like, for example, that year in 1989, um, it beat out like a production of Merchant of Venice, for oh, example. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was a cool – I wonder if it's just now because we have such a like a back catalogue of stuff to revive. Well, that's it. And like they did the it 70s, for a period. Like in the 70s, wasn't that much stuff that exactly. you would revive. Um, so the version I grew up watching is the 1993 made-for-TV movie starring Bette Midler as Oh, Rose. yes, of course. Like that was – I feel like – I don't know if it was that – maybe I had it on VHS or whatever it was. I've but, seen it once. Oh, really? I've seen it so many times. <laughs> and that is – it's funny because now that I think about I it – I love Bette Midler to- too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I saw her in Hello, Dolly. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, <laughs> it is – now I think of it and I actually think it's not really the version of Gypsy that I would ever want performed no because it's very like shiny it's and, very made for tv yeah. it reminds me of the made for tv um annie with um kathy bates yeah like very yeah. just like ugh. yeah <laughs> like yeah. sugary sweet yeah um having said that i do think that bet midler made a good rose like it's yeah. it's not as raw as you would play her now but i do think she was a good rose she's got the right sort of brass exactly yeah and the comedy chops yeah you gotta yeah. have comedy chops Exactly. Um, there's then the 2003 Broadway revival with Bernadette Peters, uh, who Josephine loves. Sorry, just moment. <laughs> Carry on. Um, she loses Best Actress that year to Marissa Janet Winokur for Hairspray and it loses Best Revival. <laughs> you hate Hairspray. That's she deserves it to play Tracy Turnblad. That. That's a massive role. I don't care. So uh, are you saying Rose is in a massive role? Uh, but like – I don't know. To be the original Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray, I think that's a big deal. But I just, I don't. Here's what I think about the Tonys: you shouldn't just get an award because, like, oh yeah, Tracy Turnblad, whatever. Like, fuck that. I think she was incredible. She was good, but she's not Bernadette Peters. I like, also come on. I mean, we'll talk about this. I don't think Bernadette Peters is the ultimate rose. She's not. However, yes, in my heart, she is. Um, it also loses Best Revival to Nine, the revival of Nine. Oh, <laughs> threw up in my mouth. <laughs> Apparently that was a great revival. I'd like Nine, but not more than Gypsy. 
Yeah, interesting. Mm. Mm. Um, in 2008, it's revived and, of course, Patti Lapone um, plays Rose and she wins the Best Actress Tony that year. It also wins Best Featured Actu- Actor and Best Featured Actress. That's a big deal. For, her, for um, Herbie and, and Louise. Yeah, wow. Um, for Laura Benanti and Boyd Gaines. Um, it doesn't win Best Revival, the South Pacific Revival, like the Bartlett Sher one. Oh, wins. yeah. Okay. Yeah, which was incredible. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, yeah, what they did with that, because I, I imagine that not much changes in Gypsy because it doesn't have to, mm. but I, I know, like, that revival of well, South Pacific was... But interestingly, that revival of Gypsy is kind of where everything changed because Arthur yeah, Lawrence right. directed that one at the age of, like, 90. Shit. And, yeah. Um, and, yeah, they did change quite a bit. Yeah, right. Yeah, and because okay. it was like he famously had this feud with Patti Lapone. Well, not a feud, but like he never wanted her to play the part and then they kind of mended. She'd done it in um, Chicago at like the Ravinia Festival or something like that. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and it, and had gotten great reviews. I think Lonnie Price directed that version. Yeah, right. And, yeah, and gotten really good reviews and, and so I sort of reconsidered it. She talks about it quite a bit in her memoir. That's another thing I should recommend at some stage. I'm going to save it for later. Find that. Um, it's a great book. She dishes a lot in it. I bet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. And, but then also like, I think they really focused on the acting in that, in that revival. So the fact that those three all won Tonys is not surprising to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, and clearly Laura, I love, I mean, I love Laura Benanti as well. I think she would have been such a good Louise. Um, and then there's the 2015 London revival with Imelda Staunton as Rose. Um, I think Imelda Staunton would have been epic. She was – I can't – I don't even have yeah. words. I actually think – I think her and Patty are both incredible in different ways. Um, I just imagine Imelda would have had something, yeah, just a little more raw than her, Patty. Imelda's like physical presence, oh, the way she acts. Like, from, I mean, she would have acted it better than any of those people, I yes, think. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, she's a world-class actor. She's like – yeah, it's like insane. Yeah, insane. Um. And, like, she's so little. Like, she's yeah. such a short person. Yeah. And, like, little, like yeah. petite. And so just to have this enormous voice coming off her and this enormous performance. Presence. Yeah, it's just amazing. That version was filmed professionally and I actually looked and I don't think it's on Broadway HD right now, but I think, like, there are places you can find it. If yeah. nothing else, probably if you search the right thing in YouTube, you might dig it up. Yeah. Um, but, Yeah. If you can get your hands on it, it's really worth watching. I think if nothing else, you can buy it on DVD. Oh, well done. Um, And um, it is incredible and I'm so glad that they filmed it. Um, I will say that some of the accents seem to get lost in the Atlantic somewhere, as often happens like (laughs) on productions on either side, you know. Um, They're never great doing the other side. Um, So it won Best Revival, Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress at the Olivier's that year. Lara Pulver plays – plays Louise who you might remember from parade like the parade London cast yes, she's I done do. quite a few things yeah yeah um I really like her I'm curious who you think of all those women was the youngest woman to play Mama Rose at the time was it Bette Midler it's it's Bette Midler and Angela Lansbury were both 48 yeah because I was thinking about this about uh, the age that women are when they play her yeah and how it's actually not that dissimilar so like she was they were 48 Patty Lapone was 59, so was Melba Staunton when they played her. Um, so that's not that big a range really. It's just that, you know, for years they've talked about like remaking the film and like Barbara Streisand's been involved and like mm. she's like 70-something now. Yeah. And it's like to me that is too old. Well, the, the girls are like children really. Well, not just that, but it, t- it takes place over about 10 years. Yeah. And it's like 
they're like just under 10 yeah. when, when it starts. Yeah. And so it's like how how old could she be really? Like she should really be in her 40s. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I just think it's just interesting that we – we see her as this much older character than she should really be. No, that's right. She's yeah. just, yeah, a mother of yeah. young children. So um, Gypsies had four revivals on Broadway, the ones that's I remember That's amazing. Mentioned. Yeah. So I was like, what musical has had the most revivals of all time on Broadway? Is it like Company? No, no, no. Um, what do you, no, that's not number one. The most is seven revivals. Seven of any revivals. Show. Yeah. Any guesses? Oof. Is there something really random? It's something that you would expect just knowing the age of the show. Oh, the age of the show. Yeah. Is, uh, it's not West Side. Is it like Carousel? Close. It's Porgy and Bess. Oh, Porgy and Bess. Yeah, right. Has had seven. Oh, of course. S- yeah. Six revivals for Showboat and Threepenny Opera, which I guess because Threepenny Opera is like, you know, it's like It's a, not really a, a musical though, music. is it? I think they consider it a musical. Really? Yeah. I don't think Brecht would want us to consider it a musical. <laughs> <laughs> Five revivals for Carousel, Fiddler, Guys and Dolls, Oklahoma, Peter Pan and West Side. And yeah, so, right. this has only had four. So it's not even like. Yeah, it's not even up there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but four so is a lot of revivals. It is. I know. I know. Even in what? What's that? What was it? 1959, did yeah, you say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so. 60 years. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Um. So. Originally, I don't know if you knew this, but originally Sondheim was, Sondheim was supposed to write both the music and the lyrics for the show. Yes, I did know that. Yeah, and um, but Ethel Merman basically was like, oh, I don't really want to work with an unknown composer. Like, you know, she didn't want to sort of risk her reputation on that. So um, Julie Stein was brought on to write the music. So then they basically were like, Sondheim, will you just write the lyrics? And he'd just done West Side and was like, I don't want to get pigeonholed as someone who only writes lyrics. And I think he managed to break that. Yeah, but um, basically Oscar Hammerstein was like, hey, it's actually going to be a really good experience for you. Mm. You know Ethel Merman is involved and writing for a specific person, for a specific star is a really good experience. That's great. And Sondheim basically was like, that was exactly the right advice. Like, because he just wrote love, for Ethel Merman's voice I in just mind. I how much Sondheim respects Oscar Hammerstein, oh, like and how, just, what their relationship well, well, is. how much he – I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to talk about that a bit more like in other, yeah. in other things. And like just even just generally I feel like he's such an unprecious – you know, for someone who is so prolific. And I think someone who is constantly called a genius as well. Yeah, exactly. It feels like he's actually quite humble. Yeah, and like he, he just clearly takes advice from a lot of people, yeah. is willing to admit when he's wrong. Yeah. And also – but also Self-reflective. Like, and, and, but also is like, no, sorry, I'm right about this. Yeah. Like he knows when he's right and when he's wrong. Yeah. And also um, he's, he's not best. precious about his material being changed in different ways. Yeah. Like it's just uh, – yeah, uh, sometimes the best. The best. Anyway, um, so – uh, a couple of other things just to do with specific songs. So the cow, you know, cow song where it's mamoo, mamoo, all that stuff. Yeah. I, it, that was actually, um, so that's one of the vaudeville numbers that they perform in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was a trunk song of Julie Stein. That's cool. So basically apparently like when they were sitting down to write it, Julie Stein pulled out like a whole, like 13 trunk songs. Yeah, and it was like, here you go. was like, I think we're going to have to start from scratch on all these songs, <laughs> like I don't think. But that worked really well as one of the like just, yeah, random little What the fuck was songs. Julie Stein thinking? Like uh, He was older and yeah. he's of that ilk. He like, is, he yeah. is. Um, And also I just thought this was a really good example. Have an egg roll, Mr. Go- Mr. Goldstone that's mm. in it um, is a really good example of a list song. Yeah. So basically a list song does appear in – like lots of lots different of musicals, musicals. Yeah. and it's it's essentially just 
and not just musicals really like it's all popular, popular, popular music back yep. in the day yep. it's basically just a song that has an idea and then lists, lists. examples of that idea yeah yep. um but so some other examples are like you're the top by cole porter you're the top yeah you're the coliseum and g officer krupke from west side story yes. are other examples of that as well so but, that's two and then obviously like gilbert and sullivan is full oh of yeah it, yeah you know like so that means that sometimes written the lyrics for two list songs indeed there'd be more than that i'm sure yeah as i'm well. sure there are um, and then, of course, Rose's turn, I think one of the greatest numbers ever written for the musical theatre. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Yeah, right? With that statement. Yep. Like, no, just. That's correct. It's funny because in my head I've always gone, that's like probably the best 11 o'clock number ever written for a, for a show. Mm. It is a, technically the finale. No, it's not. But that's not what an 11 o'clock number is. The finale. It's not the finale. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's that it is an eleven o'clock number. Yeah, I think it's a right. finale rather than an eleven o'clock number. Well, yeah, it is sort of the end of the show, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the last song in the show. Because a, a eleven a o'clock number should be like maybe third to last. Yeah, normally brings the house down and then we lead up. And to then the... yeah, because normally like the crux of the complication. Yeah, hmm. it's interesting. I, it could be both. I think things can be both. Things can be other things. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so it is, of course, made up of several songs that occur throughout the show. Rose's Turn you're talking about? Yeah, Rose's yeah. Turn. And it was originally going to be a surreal ballet to show her breakdown. Oh, cool. Not a, not a song. Um, but basically, like, Jerome Robbins was like, nah, actually, nah. Like, they were rehearsing already and he was like, nah. Yeah. And so him and Sondheim sat down one night and constructed it over three hours. Shit. Like, as in, without Julie Stein was not available that night. So does that mean Sondheim wrote the... Well, because well, well, it's all from other, yeah, of course, Yeah, of so course. they were really just piecing it together. Oh, it's so perfect. Yeah, and then um, and then Sondheim sat down with yeah, Julie Stein to actually work on the music for it. Yeah. Um, there's one song in it that is not in the show, which is Mama's Talking Soft was a song that was cut out of yeah. town. Yeah. So that's still in it. Um, they couldn't cut it because it was so important to the to what was happening in Rose's Oh, turn. yeah, it's like one of the most iconic yeah. parts. And so they kept that in and they were fine with it. It's fine. But, yes, that was actually a song that was in the show that was cut. That's cool. Um, it also originally ended differently. So, like, Out of Town it ended on sort of quite a dissonant chord, like mid-breakdown because Sondheim felt that was really important for what Rose was going through as a character at the time. Um, and that they had performances where that's how it ended and Oscar Hammerstein again came to see the show and they sort of discussed it afterwards and Sondheim was like, you know, this is really important for the character and, and Oscar Hammerstein was like, I just, I think you should change it to the, just, you know, the tonic, like the yes. triumphant tonic um, and let Ethel Merman have her moment because otherwise um, – the audience are going to be distracted for that very yeah. important three-minute scene that comes after it. Yeah, there's no payoff waiting. for the audience. Yeah, it's like they, they didn't get to applaud her properly, so yes. they're waiting for the show to end so they can do that. Yeah. So instead it's like end it properly. And um, then let them move on to the And next. let them move on so that they can be fully invested in that scene. So smart. And um, so sometimes talks about in that – he talks about it in Finishing the Hat. Yeah. And there's just this great line that he says about it. He said that Oscar said to him that sometimes a theatrical truth takes precedence over a logical one yeah and I just think that is a such a good line and b so true but that's where like that's what differentiates you from from a like a good musical theater composer to an like an extraordinary one exactly when you can actually sacrifice uh, that idea of character or, or you know musical purity for no this theatrical moment has to happen yeah and take a step back and go this what is, is the what's bigger most picture important for the for the overall the audience? Show. Like, and yeah. that's surely your because sh and shows just don't exist on the page. No. Like they exist in. That's person. right. They're not in yeah. a bubble. Yeah. Um. Uh. 
Her name is not Mama Rose. No. She's never referred to as Mama Rose in the show. And so she's referred to separately as Rose, Mama, and Madam Rose, right? Yes. So her becoming Mama Rose is just one of those like nicknames that's happened over yeah, the years. Because she is their mother and her name is Rose. Yes. Yes. But she's never referred to that way. No, that's Isn't so that interesting. True. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah, I just sort of came across that in the research and was like, oh my God. Like I always call her Mama Rose. As you've said that, I'm like, oh yeah, you're yeah. right. Wow. Yeah. That's I know. cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, which Mama Rose would you have wanted to see? Imelda. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ethel. So we haven't talked about her, but I would have loved to have seen Caroline O'Connor in Australia. She oh, did it yeah. with the production company um, a few years ago. She would have been good. Yes. I would have loved to have seen her or, or Patty, but like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think Eth- I really do love Ethel Merman. Yeah, right. I really do. I think that it would have been an experience to see Ethel Merman. Yeah. I don't think her act. The show has changed a lot since Ethel Merman did it I'm as sure. well. Like I so much – like that Imelda Staunton version, in terms of the way that they approach the darkness mm. of um, the, the character and the way that it ends, like because the ending has been played very differently in all yes. the different productions. Yes. Um, they've all – a lot of them have interpreted differently and there's a lot you can interpret from the text. But literally in the Imelda Staunton version, she's like – so defeated at the end, like hunched over and just sort of like like slowly walks off the stage. Yeah. At the end of the show defeated. And yeah, it's incredible. Um, One of the other things that I think a lot of people don't realize. So um, I was on a um, like small committee to decide our local community theaters um, shows a few years ago. And we were looking at doing gypsy that hadn't done it in a long time. It's obviously one of those shows that, people do quite often and we were going to do it and at the last minute um, one of the other people uh, changed their mind because it, there's no ensemble really. Yeah. So it's there's no singing cast. ensemble. Yeah. Like there's quite well, a there's few, people like in the shows. Exactly. And, yeah. There's actually quite a large like acting ensemble. Yeah. But there's no ensemble singing in it in the no. entire show. I actually love that. I mean it's great. Yeah. And actually I think it would be a fun show to be in and not sing. It'd be like, so fun. Yeah. <laughs> this is the musical for you if you can't sing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things where I think people just think of, like, again, that would have been quite unexpected for the time period. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, think? at a time when this came out at the same time as Sound of Music. At same a time year. when the Sound of Music is happening and that's such a formulaic traditional musical, yes. this is really breaking down yeah, barriers. exactly. Like, it, it's quite groundbreaking in many ways. Yeah. Um. So gateway songs. Ready. Um, I think the overture. This is the first time I've suggested oh an my overture. God, hilarious. In You're in love section, with it. But it is such a fucking good overture, I yeah, can't yeah, tell you. Well, there's um, so many great, like, great melodies in there. Yeah. 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 Um, Rose's turn, obviously. Of course, yeah. Which um, version do you want to recommend? I'm gonna put the patty version on there. Mm. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Um, and uh you gotta get a gimmick is my oh, other one. I love which, that song. Although it kind of has nothing to do with the rest of the show, it is still just such a great song. It's a great song. Standalone song. Yeah. Um, so yes, I'll probably put that 2008 recording for all three of those. Nice. The versions that you can listen to on Spotify are that 2008 revival with Patty, the 2003 Broadway revival with, uh, Bernadette, the 1959 original Broadway cast and the 1993 TV movie with Bette. Those are the, f- so there's. Oh, cool. There's heaps of options. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we'll link to all those in the show notes as well. That's super cool. Um, and one final thing, um, which is kind of a recommendation as well, follow the Instagram account Inappropriate Patty. Oh, no. You know this one. I it's do. The, there's a guy who basically <laughs> just does like a Patty Lapone impression of like other songs. Hilarious. He's so good He's as very well. good. Yeah, he's very Patty. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just like him doing Patty Lapone yeah. doing other musical theatre songs. That's and cool. It's it's just very like appropriate for this Gypsy episode. Do you know what I nerdily love about Gypsy is it has a lot of parallels with my favourite Shakespearean play, oh, which is King Lear. Interesting. I think I'm the only person who loves King Lear you above might. all others. No, it's not that people don't love it. I just don't think it's many people's favourite. Yeah, it's my favourite, but it, it's like it's been par- the story like of Rose and her demise is definitely paralleled with. With like oh. King Lear and his and he had like an existential crisis, which is sort of what happens at the end of Rose's yeah. turn, really like a proper breakdown and issues with children and yeah, it's um, it's pretty, it's very nerdy, it's a very nerdy thing to Love correlate, it. but yeah, interesting, yeah, King but also Lear. like, can we talk just about how Rose is probably the greatest musical theater character of all time? Yeah. And like probably the most complex, the most interesting, and also I think the most fleshed out in a musical. Yeah. Do you well, agree I, with that? I certainly think that the subtext that has come since the show was originally written, yes. I think you're absolutely right. Maybe not at the time, but now, but now when people do her, it's like. There's so much there's there. There's so much. So much to unpack. What I love about it is that it's all happening often not even with her performance. Like mm. it's often about like having a great Herbie and a great Louise just reacting to her. Yes. In fact, I will also recommend um, there's a few Tony performances available on YouTube, but uh, Patty's Tony performance is when they do Everything's Coming Up Roses. I do love that song. Well, not only is it a great song, but of course – it's this the like are in it. it's like this bright, um, you know, amazing song. But of course, at the whole time, Herbie and Louise are like horrified yeah. because she has just turned to Louise. Like June has a baby. June has escaped, mm-hmm. um, run off with Tulsa, the dancer, um, and basically she's like, "Well, that's all right. We're going to make Louise a star instead." Yeah. Like, yeah, and I've, they're just I've like concentrated for by her. ten years on on June, June, but that's okay. Yeah, um, I'm going to concentrate on Louise now, and she's they a are just like. We hey. just want to have a normal family know, life. Oh and God. and so them them acting to her singing is quite incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's worth looking at. Yeah. Cool yeah. recommendation. I, uh, I, yeah, like obviously I love Bernadette Peters the same. I don't think I would have liked her rose. I think – and I've read a lot about sort of the main difference between her rose and other roses yeah. and she was definitely more like – traumatized she's and damaged she, she herself. plays vulnerable very well she's a very that's right her strength is vulnerable um and yeah like that sort of like very complex woman but not in a in a strong sort of menacing way yeah and i think you need that like proper strength yeah for Rose. Like you've got to be fierce you have to be fierce and that's not bernadette's bag no and oh, like if nothing else just because of the way she looks like she's so kind of beautiful and like big eyes and yeah. and that sort of thing i just literally killed a mosquito with one hand amazing while i'm yeah and that's, now I've that's got, a like, very mos- australian thing. i've got mosquito bits on my hand yeah <laughs> oh gross <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think this is the one time I agree with you. I love listening to Bernadette singing the songs yes. on the soundtrack because I love her voice. And that even that's quite controversial, I know, for some people, and that's fine. 
Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think that's controversial. Well, some people think her voice is just a bit brassy and whatever. Oh, no, I love her voice. Well, of course we love her voice. Yeah. <laughs> and and Sondheim loves her voice. I if saw... Sondheim loves her voice, then you have no fucking <laughs> excuse. And I like I saw her in Follies, for yeah, example. She would have been great in and Follies. And she was great. And and that is a case but where she's the vulnerability vulnerable, like was the ultimate. Exactly that character. But think about a person Sa- like an, Sally, right? Yeah. yeah. Imelda Staunton, who can do vulnerable so well, but also that fierce, like badass. Yeah. Oh, I love Imelda. I actually think Imelda probably was the best. I just would have loved to have seen that production that Patty was in. Yeah. Like directed by Arthur Lawrence, even though he seems to have been a was, real asshole. Was it the Patty Lapone production where Tammy Blanchard was Louise? Yes, she was, who we talked about in the Little Shop episode. In the episode. Little Shop episode, yeah. No, sorry, that's the Bernadette. Oh, Bernadette. That's the Bernadette So production. Bernadette and Tammy, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and then Laura Bonanti is in the Patty Lapone. See, I do think maybe Bernadette was a bit old to play Mama Rose when she played. Well, so as I was saying, she's equal oldest with Imelda. Yeah. She's fifth, they're both fifth, they're both 59. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, but my God. I mean, if nothing else, like, I think a lot of people's criticism. So the only time I've seen Patty in an actual show, aside from Company, and obviously Joanne is also kind of similar to Rose, like yeah, and she has a very appropriate and, for her. Yeah. Um, but I saw her in War Paint on Broadway, and I actually did think that I saw a bit of character from her. I didn't think that was a particularly good show, to be honest, mm. but I appreciated her performance in it. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing with Patty Lapone, like. Yeah, like her diction's bad and, mm. you know, she sounds weird sometimes and yes. stuff like that. But she's also just so charismatic and her voice is incredible. Like she has such an instrument. It just It's like she has a spell, cast, like yeah. she's cast a spell over you. Yeah. I, it hasn't it hasn't hit me though. Like I'm just not, I'm yeah, just not right. fussed by her. Oh, love her. I thought her best yeah, performance was ultimate. in 30 Rock. <laughs> like, you <laughs> know what I mean? It's just she's not... the ultimate for me. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's where we differ. Do you know, what's the origin of the name Gypsy for Louise? Because like, is, is it now, that's now, I mean... If yeah, it's I think that culture, is what it then comes that's, from. That's quite offensive, almost. Yeah, I think that is what it comes from. That yeah. same term, like a Romanian gypsy. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, like a traveling gypsy. Yeah, right. I think that is it. Mm-hmm. As in, as in the original performer, gypsy. Yeah. Rose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's where it came from. There's a cool because um, you know the character of Gypsy Rose Lee is in um, Pal Joey. Oh, She's yes, because being interviewed in Zip because the real baby June. June Hovick. That's right. Was in it. That's right. Yeah. So Gypsy Rosalie is a character in Pal Joey and yeah. Yeah. I've, you can actually watch some of the real Gypsy Rosalie's strip teasers. Ah. And because they're very, her whole shtick was like how intellectual she is and yes. how like clever. And, you know, it's not like, she's not a stripper in that sense. She's, yeah. Yeah. It was like. She almost wouldn't strip. That was no, kind of her, right. her bag. And she's just very like very articulate and charismatic on stage. And that number in the show, like I wouldn't necessarily recommend it as a gateway song, but when they do let me entertain you, yeah. as Louise's act changes, yeah. it's always amazing as it well. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Just in the film, the way, it's like, the way um, she grows, her confidence grows. In the film they do it as a montage. Yeah. Which is really clever. Yeah, which is essentially how they do it yeah, on stage. But obviously too. like a filmic montage. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, cool. Oh yeah, Gypsy. We love Gypsy. Gypsy, you Oh, how am I going to top that? I probably am not going to top that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ruth, my favourite musical today is Seussical. Seussical the musical? Yep. That's right. Yep. Want to fight? No, I don't <laughs> hate this show. I don't love this show. Yeah. I think that's pretty typical. I yeah, suppose. I just don't really have feelings about it. Okay. Well, let me give you some feelings. Okay, great. So I got a lot of my information from a really excellent article in the New York Times called The Places It Didn't Go. 
um, <laughs> which is just actually a really great article, as most New York Times articles are. Okay, so Susical is a sung-through musical. With, I never knew that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> with um, lyrics by Lynn Ahrens and music by Stephen Flaherty, who we've spoken about. Um, I love Ahrens and Flaherty. Of course. So Susical is based on a range of books by Dr. Zeus. And obviously you may know Ahrens and Flaherty from Ragtime or Once on this Island and like a ton of other Anastasia, shows. we've talked about. Anastasia, to, yeah. yeah, yeah. So heaps, heaps of very, like a really varied uh, yeah. catalogue behind them. So this musical is on my list because it's really joyous, yeah. I would say. I did a production of this show as a young person and I loved every second of that experience. I didn't get into that production. No, you didn't. I'm really sorry, <laughs> Ree. <laughs> Maybe that's why yeah. you don't like it. But So for me, it wasn't just that the show, because I actually really enjoyed the actual show, so the music and the, and the characters, I really enjoyed that part of it, but I also had a really good experience yeah. in the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> unlike Charlie Brown, unlike Charlie Brown, that's right. But the show, like, it just has so many magical Dr. Zeus moments that really capture the wonder of being a child and using your imagination and and believing in stuff. Like, yeah, it's all about that. So it's it's just got a really lovely innocence about it. Yeah. And I think, despite what I'm going to tell you about what everyone else thought of it, I do think it captures sort of the magic of Dr. Zeus. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you more about that. Okay. So the plot. The plot of the show is largely based on Horton Here's a Who, which is a, um, a Dr. Zeus book, but many of the characters and, and so many subplots come from the following Dr. Zeus books. Are you ready? Buckle yes. in. How the Grinch Stole Christmas, The Lorax, Green Eggs and Ham, Yodel the Turtle, Horton Hatches the Egg, I Had Trouble Getting to Sola Salu, and To Think That I Saw It on Mulberry Street, Miguel Gets Paul, Oh Say Can You Say, Hunches in Brunches, If I Ran the Circus, The Butter Battle Book, Overthinks You Can Think, The Cat in the Hat, um, Did I Ever Tell You How Lucky You Are, Gertrude McFuzz and Oh, The Places You'll Go. Yeah. All of those books. Are in it. Are in it. Wow. Yeah, in some capacity. So I'm not going to tell you the whole plot because it's actually quite convoluted yeah. and there are a ton of characters in this show. You do follow along with the storyline nicely but there are so many like little moments that happen that I cannot explain it to you. I don't have the energy. Go read Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, but just suffice it to say, if you know any of those books, just chuck them all together and there's your storyline. And it does have a through story that's quite nice. So, yes, just trust me on that. Some background. Okay, so this is actually quite difficult because it, it was a flop and like a pretty big yeah. Broadway fail, like yeah. a really famous Broadway fail. I actually love hearing, like I love the story of it in a way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it lost producers a, a literal ton of money. Yeah. But it's now incredibly profitable and popular. It's a strange one. So here's how it all played out. The now defunct production company Levent acquired oh, the rights. Oh, yeah, Livent. Oh, yeah. is it Livent? Yeah. Sure. It acquired, acquired the rights As to… As Drabinsky, um, Garth Drabinsky. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, he's the producer that owned that company. Um, so they, Livent acquired the rights to all of the Dr. Zeus books in 1997 from, um, from the Dr. Zeus estate. And so then they… Com- that production company commissioned Aaron's and Flaherty to write some songs for for the books pretty much yeah as let, let's come up with an idea there was a reading of an original susical concept in New York in 1999 um, where Aaron's and Flaherty just like presented what they had done um, and it absolutely like that reading absolutely captivated backers yeah Eric Idle of Monty Python fame had been brought in to um, play the cat in the hat in that reading oh huh. 
Yeah, and he's, he's also credited as a co-conceiver because he was invited to write the book. So the readings, these readings went on for two weeks and apparently, and it's almost sort of famously, hardened producers and these like full-on theatre types were all just brought to tears. Yeah. Like were in the room watching this reading just like beside themselves with how beautiful it was. And this is like, it's now like a, a Broadway myth that how incredible these readings were. Yeah. Um, it was dubbed to be like the next big Broadway show. Like, yeah. And there was such a buzz about it. Like I just cannot explain to you. So – Okay, so then everything went to shit. <laughs> so basically Eric Idle was brought in to write the book but then Livent went bankrupt and after like a bit of time, Aaron's and Flaherty basically told Eric Idle that they wanted to work on it without him Oh, and they just sort of went their separate ways. And because the guy who'd been pushing it, what's his name, um, Garth? Trubinsky. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. So went he'd to been, jail. Yeah, and he'd been pushing like the Eric Idle involvement. Oh. Once, once Livent bellied up and Garth went off to jail, Eric Idle just was sort of like, oh, okay, well, this is over. So, yeah, like, and he also, like, he had a really different idea. He wanted, like, madness on stage. He wanted there to be, like, total anarchy amongst, like, the storyline and and what, what happened on stage in the production. So he had a really clear view about what the show was going to look like and it stayed very true to what those original readings were. Um, but then, yeah, like... Lots of people think any that Eric Idle leaving the project is what the like the first real problem with the oh, show was. Interesting. So anyway, at the original workshop, there were no costumes or scenery, and there's only, like only very minimal props. Yeah. Lynn Ahrens has actually said that the strength of the workshop workshop was its simplicity. Yeah. And then, and I don't know what you think about <clears> this, but. There have been many rehearsal rooms I've been in where I just think, yeah, this is a really great show. And then it's once you get it on stage yeah, things and get you muddy. add everything to it and you're like, oh, it's not. What, like The magic is gone. Yeah, yeah. I've even been to like final rehearsals and stuff of professional shows that are in and shows that were like, I mean, like some real dogs of yeah. shows. Um, and and you think, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. Like because there's and there's also something a bit magical about a rehearsal room yeah, as well. There is. There really is. Um, and yeah. And then like you get on stage and like whatever set like and it just drowns everything. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's right. And that's really what happened to Susical. Like um, I'll tell you about it. So basically somehow by the time the show opened on Broadway in 2000, it had been turned into a big splashy production. Yeah. And it was so different from what had worked really well in the initial workshop. So I think the show was actually a victim to that but also just the hype after the workshop and the pressure of it like potentially being a huge Broadway hit. I think that's what actually made it fail because like so what happened in those original workshops is that like a a ton of producers were like, yes, let's get in on this. Like it had a bunch of different producers, lots of money poured into it and the pressure of that was what really made it fall apart. Yeah. so, yeah, like once there were heaps of producers on board, there was just lots of pressure on the creatives to justify the hype and there was also like tickets were going to cost $90. So, like it better <laughs> Which be. Which at the time. <laughs> well, yeah. So I think I think the idea was like, well, if, if people are going to be paying $90 and there needs to be lots of production value, you know, yeah. in the way of fancy costumes and huge sets and, yeah. big, you know, big flashy lights. And I can't overstate how hyped up this show really was. Yeah. Like so – um, interestingly, Footloose, which was struggling a little bit, was on Broadway in the Richard Rogers Theatre yeah. and it was literally booted out of the theatre to make way for Susical. Yeah, it happens. Like, it was just like, no, nope, 
Susicle's coming. It's going to be fucking awesome. Get out, I mean, that's loose. basically what happened. I mean, obviously COVID hit, but that's what happened to Beetlejuice. Yeah. With the Music Man revival. Yeah. Is that um, – They were just like, get out. Yeah. So there's a thing called um, – so for those who don't know, there's a thing called a stop clause. Often yeah. when you hire a theatre, um, a Broadway theatre, where if you your gr- weekly gross falls below a certain amount, the theatre the can say to you – you have to like we yeah. they can kick you Break out the because yeah. they feel like they can get more money from like another production. Yeah. So with Beetlejuice, the funny thing with Beetlejuice was that it actually hadn't been doing that well when it first started, mm. and, and then it picked and, up. Well, it well, did. It, it, it did a, a performance of... at the Tonys, which yeah. was a particularly good performance at the Tonys. Yeah, it was. And and it just really picked up. It, it happened. What happened was kind of unheard of with Broadway. Like that, that does up. not normally happen. No, well, it normally just dies off. And that's, that's right. That. And so yeah. Um, they had fallen below their stock cause. They'd been given a date, which was very far in advance, mm. that there was like, no, you've got to leave the theatre because they knew they had this revival of the music man coming in. Yeah. And so that's what they did and then it was too late, you know. Yeah. And, and I mean, now it's a real shame because they ended up closing months before their real closing date. Yeah, because of have done Yeah, it's sort of. That's an interesting one actually, Beetlejuice. I want to talk about that at some stage. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Footloose was booted out to make way for Seussicle. Then what happened was they had a really brief triad in Boston where critics were like completely venomous. And it's interesting if you – because Aaron's and Flaherty talk about it a lot. They – I don't know if this is like they they just want to believe it, but they talk a lot about they think the internet played a big role in like – Because it was like the beginning of that, like chat rooms and stuff. Yeah, and in like demonising it after Mm. this Boston triad. It's like then it like word spread like wildfire that this thing was a dud. So, yeah, like critics were venomous. Producers started to panic and they basically then like replaced every creative. They were like, okay, new set designer, new costume designer. Like they were obviously like trying to make all like all these Band-Aid fixes for what is – was the problem to begin with, like just get rid of all those things. But, yeah, they they really panicked straight away at the last minute just before it was about to go on to Broadway. They were like, okay, let's change everything about the sets and the costumes. And so there was a lot of upheaval. Yeah. It was also like a really quick turnaround from those tryouts to, yeah, anyway. As is often the way. As is often the way, but then to have a whole new creative team. Yeah, that's crazy. Fucking nuts. So then it opened on Broadway at the Richard Rogers Theatre in November 2000. And that's when shit really went down. So once it opened on Broadway, Broadway, critics like properly hated it. Yeah. Just hated it. And I could I could read so many quotes of just like the utter like, yeah. Oh man, those reviews Poison. are point yeah, really awful. So producers then just kept like dismantling stuff about the show. So the cat in the hat was really quickly replaced. The character of I can't even remember the original actor's name, but he was replaced like almost wow. straight away. Jojo was replaced, another main character in it. Wow. It's like they were just like, okay, to well. To the point where like who's on the cast recording? The original, luckily, okay. but I think just barely. Yeah. Mm. Um, lots of changes were made to try to revive it. But I think that that's actually the mistake that they made. Like I think that that was the mistake is all yeah. these changes and, and, yeah, trying to fix shit that didn't need fixing it was it really just needed a book writer yeah like that's what i think i think it just needed someone to write the book and have like a really clear vision for so what is there a book writer no so eric idol is credited as a co-conceiver right but he was originally the. he book was originally writer. supposed to be the book writer and he he said he had a lot of like ideas about what it would be but there is no book really like there's no so yeah it i think that's what it needed um yeah but to this day aaron's and flaherty say there's nothing wrong with the show <laughs> Mm. It's possible that they're right, but anyway. 
<laughs> anyway, it received one Tony nomination yeah. for Kevin Chamberlain, who played Horton. Who, and he's an incredible performer. He's an incredible performer. And I love Notice, uh, what, no, what's the, um, Alone in the, Alone Universe. In the Universe. Yeah. That's oh, a beautiful we'll song. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Even Jane Eyre, the musical, got more nominations that year. <laughs> oh, no. And that I know. bombed. Oh, that bombed. And it got more nominations than Susical wow. at the Tonys. So, woof. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, Jane Eyre. There's a nice song in Jane Eyre, but that's about it. <laughs> so when the cast recording of Susical was released, it sat in the Billboard charts. Wow. Which is almost unheard of for a, a musical cast recording these days. Yeah. And by these days, I mean in 2000. So, <laughs> Literally 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, shit. Fuck. Okay, so the show ran for 198 performances and yep. lost, wait for it, $11 million. Far out, yeah. It's one of the worst financial flops in Broadway history. Is it? Yeah. Is that that must be in terms of percentage lost rather than numbers of dollars lost. Because nowadays that's a fairly standard loss. Um well it's a fairly standard uh, like that's quite low for a budget. Like if your oh, yeah. budget was eleven million dollars and you and you lost the whole thing, that's that happens quite a bit. Yes. So probably it's more like Well, I imagine and the fact that they replaced the sets and costumes right before Broadway, I imagine that's a fuckload of money that yeah. they just chucked out. Like I yeah. imagine the budget would have been gigantic. Yeah. And also the show is a huge show. Like yeah. there's so many characters and so much so yeah, much like is going cast on. Big and cast. And yeah, like when it did open on Broadway, it had huge sets and just lots of razzle dazzle. Yeah. There was a quote, I can't remember who said it actually, was like, we originally I think it was Eric Idle who said we originally wanted it to be the Fantastics and what ended up happening was the Ringling Brothers. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, which is like, yeah, okay. So it was definitely different from what it was intended to be. So, yeah, there was then after that Broadway flop, it did have a US tour that was like moderately successful. Which makes sense. They also changed a lot for the US tour. Yeah. So they, they made a whole load of changes. It um, had a West End run in 2012. So it actually took quite a while to get to the West yeah, End. Yeah. Um, it's never played professionally in Australia. No, that doesn't surprise me though. No, nor do I. Nor do I. That's an <laughs> incorrect response, but it doesn't surprise me either. So some notable cast include what was deemed in inverted commas panic casting. Yeah. Rosie O'Donnell yeah. as Cat in the Hat. I knew that, yeah. So she was brought in pretty early. As I said, replaced the original Cat in the Hat and, yeah. Some people say she was good. Some people say she was trash. Interesting. Um, yeah, Rosie O'Donnell's an interesting one because she loves theatre. Yeah. Like she loves it. Yeah, you always see her at like She's a premieres. good actress but she can't really sing, right? No, and I mean the cat in the hat doesn't have to sing too much in the show but he is the central character. He's the narrator. Yeah. And he's got to be so zany and I just don't – I don't know whether Rosie O'Donnell is zany enough. Yeah. Um. Also, Aaron Carter was brought in to play Jojo. Oh. <laughs> I know. He would he even <laughs> – been a bit old. I'm trying to think. 2000. I always think of JoJo as being like quite a young. Okay, yeah. Well, he's probably our age, Aaron Carter. I think he's a little younger than us. Is he? I think so. Okay. Yeah. So I think he would have been like what, like eleven, eleven, or, or, or maybe yeah. even ten. Yeah. Um. Also, Kathy Rigby had a go yeah. at Cat in the Hat. She's known That's for random, it's so Pan, random, right? yeah, for Peter Pan, and she's also an Olympic gymnast. She was <laughs> Peter Pan for like thirty years. I like, I mean, she's one of those people. Like, yeah, yeah. she is Peter Pan. Yeah. Mm. Also, okay, here's my biggest thing with the show: it's too long. Is it? The show is very long. Is it? Like, how long is it? Oh, it's it's over two hours. And like for a kid's show, you feel like well, yeah, and the whole idea of the show is that it's got to appeal to children. 
And I think what a lot of critics said was missing from it is that the show does appeal to children but it doesn't appeal to adults at the same time. So a lot of what the critics said is like it doesn't have that thing where it's still got something for the adults that that's what was missing from the original yeah. like the original Broadway run and to have a show that is that long. Yeah, two and a half hours. Yeah, it's just too long for a kid show which is really what this ended up being. Yeah. Okay, so the music. The score is actually really amazing. It's a really amazing pastiche of like a bunch of musical styles sort of ranging from like Latin to pop. There's some swing, there's some gospel, there's some R&B, there's some funk. Like I think what R&B and Flaherty do really well is no particular style at I all. I 100% agree. I think they're the, they're the chameleons of musical theatre. Yeah. Like the Which, fact that they compose ragtime. I don't know that that's such a good thing. I don't know if it is either because I was yeah. I was sitting on this, I was thinking, well, like Jason Robert Brown's so recognisable, so Sondheim, but is that a bad thing? Maybe not. And it's not like it's not like Irons and Flaherty are not successful. No. They're very successful, but I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's something to think about. Yes, they're able to write lots of different styles very well. Yeah, um, which is great. But you wouldn't be able to say, "Oh, that's an Irons and Flaherty." No, hmm. no. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so it's an interesting point. But so apart from the magic of the original Doctor Zeus stories, which are magical, like if you if you're anything like me, you grew up like learning to read with Doctor Zeus. Yeah. We had all those books when I was a kid. I loved them so much. I still, like I remember, it was maybe for my 21st birthday I got like about three different copies of Oh, The Places You'll Go. Oh, really? Because it's such a beautiful, inspirational, magical story. Like just amazing stuff. So apart from the magic of that, I think the music is what really makes this show. Yeah. Um, It's just, uh, I think it's sort of. Yeah, they they. I'm trying to sort of categorize how Irons and Flaherty are amazing and also not at the same time because it sort of does like they're so diversely talented and they have this incredible range of styles, which is cool. But also like you can't pin down the style of Susicle. Yeah. But I also think that might be the point of it because it should be zany like Doctor Zeus, almost like how like Joseph and the Amazing Technology yeah. Dream Code has like a different style for every yeah, song. Yeah. Except that like I don't that. think there's a purpose in Joseph to that. But I think in Doctor well, yeah, Zeus, it's they just like, did it as an idea. Yeah, but. I think with this it's like each different little story is represented yes. by a different type of a style. style yeah. yeah, so I think it's sort of cool in this context. Um, there are just a glut of amazing songs because it's like a sung through song, uh, show. There's so many songs. Yeah. Um, I think your gateway into this show should be Alone in the Universe yeah. and Oh, The Thinks You Can Think reprise, yeah. which is like the ending of the okay, show. Yeah. That's what I think of the two. I think those two will give you a pretty good like holistic view of the show. I think. And what, like, what, they're also just bangers. Yeah, like I have that, like, my 50 favourite musical theatre songs playlist. Alone in the Universe. And Alone in the Universe is on there. It's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful song. A beautiful song. Um, yeah, I think it's just stunning. It makes me cry every time I listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, some other really good songs to put on your playlist are Solar Salou, which I love. Yeah. Um, All For You that Gertrude McFuzz sings. Yeah. Is no. that who, that's who you played, correct? Yes, that's who I played. That's the 11 o'clock number, all for you. Notice Me Horton is a beautiful yeah, duet. I like that song. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. It's Possible, which is sung by Jojo. The, yeah. Jojo's the only character that they made up that's a new, like okay. a brand new character, not from a Dr. Zeus book. And I think Having a Hunch is another really good song. Yeah. It's just like a cool vibe to it. Anyway. Um, okay, so some fun facts. I only have a couple. This is the most produced musical in American high schools. Yeah, I love that. 
Yeah, so now it's enjoying Not this, just like, in America, like in America, right? Well, so all I could find is that it's now in the top three most licensed properties in the MTI okay. catalogue. Yeah. So it's in the top three. I don't know what the other two are. Mm. So I'm not sure if they can say it's the most produced in America. Yeah. But probably because it's only 20 years old. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, You're a Good Man Charlie Brown is really up there according to... Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, also there were, <laughs> this is funny. After, so... There were only two months where Broadway was cat-free <laughs> because Cats closed in September 2000 and then Dr. Zeus, like Zuzical opened. It. Obviously after Zeus closed then Broadway was cat-free again but like Cats had been running for so long and there'd be two months where there were no cats on Broadway yeah. and then Cat in the Hat came back That's so two good. months later. Um and the, also, and I think this is a good fun fact, is that there is a one-act junior version that you can okay, license, cool. which apparently is amazing. Oh, really? Like apparently that deals with the issue of the show being just too long and it just gets rid of all the sort of superfluous stuff that ah. no one needs and it's a really good version. Yeah. And I think for kids, and there's a reason why this is so licensed by high schools, yeah. there's so many roles, but it's also really clever and magic. I also wonder if, I mean, I don't know if they take like Seussical Junior and Seussical as one when they're talking about how often it's licensed. But oh, like yeah, surely a lot of schools are doing Seussical Junior instead surely. of the full version. You wouldn't put a two and a half hour musical on. But also because the Junior version, when you when you license these Broadway Junior sh- titles, you get like a CD that's all the orchestral backing tracks. I know, and- so you don't have to have like a, an orchestra yeah. or even a band. Yeah. It's actually really cool how they do that. And I know like I know that you don't always love those condensed those condensed versions of musicals, but it's so accessible for schools. I, I love them. Honestly, I just think yeah. that um, – Like you shouldn't do Les Mis Junior. <laughs> well, it's called Les Mis School Edition. It's slightly different. You still do most of the show. But Lem- did we talk about Rent? Rent, Rent School Edition and Avenue oh. Q School Edition. No. Where it's um, – instead you of cannot. the internet is for porn, it's like – oh, it's something like – What about the – the whole the whole character, what's her name? What's his name? The slut. Yeah, Kate. The, the, sorry, um, Lucy the slut. Lucy the slut. Kate's, like, how Kate do Moss they? The other one. Even just like everyone's a little bit racist. How do they do that in I schools? Know, I know. That whole show. No, it'd be like oh, doing God. Book of Mormon in a high school. It really, yeah. Fuck. It's um, it's, it's that's very the dumbest strange. thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Oh my it's, god, it's very odd. But yes, no, actually, I'm quite, I'm quite in favor of the junior version, yeah. especially for kids. Actually, you know what? I just had a thought. I think Fiddler on the Roof is like one of the most done in high schools. Well, there's a Fiddler on the Roof junior. Yeah, well, I think that's another like in America, particularly that's another one that's done that's in it. high school. My social life is online instead of the internet is for porn. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I had to look that up. My social <laughs> life is online. That's so shit. Oh, my God. Like, don't get me wrong. I get that the kids really want to do Avenue Q because they love it, but it's like but they, love they it because want to do the original. That's right. They know? love it because it says the internet is for porn. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hilarious. It's sort of. Just imagine if you were like, if you, you rock up to school one day and you hear that your school's doing Avenue Q and you're like, yes, this is amazing. My school's the best. And then you go along and it's my social life is online. It looks like everyone's <laughs> a little bit racist is still in it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know I'm about guessing, that. Well, um, well, isn't there a song where they're having sex? Oh, you can be as loud as the hell you want when yeah. you're making love. Yeah. <laughs> that must be, that must be, that well, must it has be to cut. be cut. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> well, that's Seussical. it. Seussical. Oh, it was good to hear more about Seussical. I assume there's only the original Broadway cast available. There is. Yeah. In fact, it's actually hard to find like that full cast 
recording. It's sort of like highlights from. Oh, is it? You can if you search really deep, but it, it doesn't come up readily when oh. you search it on Spotify. Well, I'll try and find the real version to link. Yeah, I think it's on like a playlist. All of the songs oh. are on a playlist instead of being listed as an Spotify's album. Spotify's funny like that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But it is there, I promise. So you yeah. can listen to all of these. And because it's sung, like through sung, there are lots of cool moments. Did they perform at the Tonys or anything? No, they didn't. Oh, I wonder if there's like old like promo footage or anything i love watching actual footage i'm sure there would be i think be. i remember reading though that the, the new costumes that they did were really bad yes weren't the, they like all in like t-shirts and jeans basically? yeah exactly so they started off with like these really full-on like costumes and then the critics hated it so then they just like showed up in yeah yeah it was all just so odd and like i said i think it was just a victim of, of the hype the hype yeah. around it yeah Oh, crazy. I know. It's just, it's a real shame though because I think it's a beautiful piece. Well, if nothing else, I'm glad it lives on yeah. in community theatres and schools. Totally. And well, I mean the community theatre where I did it has subsequently done it again, that's for right. example, like yeah. since I was a child and yeah. that's not that long ago, you know. Well, <laughs> I'm older, I shouldn't that's say That's right. That. Well, yeah. <laughs> I comfort myself that you are always going to be that's older. That's right. I will always be older than you. <laughs> uh, nice. Awesome. Susical. Yeah, Susical. Love it. Gypsy was the bomb. Thank you. Do you have anything else to say, Ruth? Not really. All right. Well, then that's enough. Thank you, Josephine. Thank you, Ruth. I'll see this you next week. This has been my favourite musical, the podcast. Please like us on Instagram. Maybe follow us on Twitter, even though we don't – do we have anything on there yet? Um, I've been retweeting stuff. <laughs> it's like me just reposting memes yeah. on Instagram. Exactly. Uh, funny. But I'll also, like, put links to the episodes and stuff up there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, also don't forget that on Thursday – every Thursday we'll be releasing a mixtape episode, which is a Speaking nice Speaking of Avenue Q. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> we'll just mix – there's a song called Mixtape. Mixtape? Yeah. We made a mixtape. I love um, that song. Choose your key, dum-dum. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, yeah, that's enough from us. Yeah, we'll see you on Thursday or whatever. Whatever. Bye. Bye. Bye.